Uh, if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew 18? Be good, Scott. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking care of everything. Um, on the way to Matthew 18, there's a couple of things that I wanted to mention. The first is that, I'm just going to move this up a bit. Is this okay? Does this work? Okay. Um, the first is that Jesus tells us there's actually going to come a moment in time, and this is for real, okay? So an actual day in history when he's going to say to us, and you can insert your name here. For me, he would say, Jay, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was in prison, you visited me. On and on and on it goes. But then we're actually going to respond to him at that time by saying, you know, Lord, I'm sorry, I don't remember ever doing anything like that for you. To which he will say, I tell you the truth. Whatever you have done for one of the least of these... And for our purposes this morning on Thanksgiving, the least of these, that means someone who can't pay me back, yeah? Someone who has no power to do anything for me, right? Like say, for instance, a child, right? They don't have any power to do anything for you. Little child we're talking about. Okay, they qualify as being among the least of these. But the Lord says, this is reality. This is not a metaphor. This is not poetry. When Jesus says, whatever you have done for one of the least, you actually did that for me, for real, says Jesus. And all of heaven recognizes this as the truth. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. And by the way, does that sound like worship to anybody else? A life of worship outside this beautiful church building? Yeah. Whatever you've done for one of the least of these, Jesus said, literally, actually, for real, you did that for me. Well, Matthew 18 is one of many passages in the Gospels. If you're new, the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, okay? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But one of many passages in the Gospels where Jesus is specifically talking about children. Yes, he is. And you see this over and over and over through the Gospels where Jesus is pointing out to us how prominently children figure in the heart of the Father. Yeah? I mean, God is, in God's economy, they're up here. They really, truly are. Nobody told me to say that, by the way. Children's ministry is a big deal. It really is. Nobody told me to mention this, but uh, I'm a fan of, of children's ministers for sure. It's a big deal to help out in the nursery. Amen, 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 you're supposed to say. And there are a number of times I wanted to, to... draw reference to this, it's more than once in the Gospels when parents brought their children to Jesus. Some of you will remember some of these occasions to have him lay hands on them and and bless them, right? And it's actually the next chapter, Matthew 19, is the most famous incidence of this where the disciples rebuke the parents. Do you remember that? They actually say, you know, get these kids out of here. This is an important man, right? And then I I love that Jesus actually rebukes his disciples then. Fellas, (laughs) at this particular juncture, you know, you are not representing me well. You do not have the heart of my father. And then what does he say? And and a number of you here could quote it word for word. He says, let the little children come to me and forbid them not. Why? He says, well, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are just like these little kids. And then to the adults, he says, you adults, you can't even enter my kingdom, says Jesus. Jesus. You can't even get in, says the King of kings and Lord of lords, unless you personally humble yourself 
and become like a little child in your heart. Well, Matthew 18, again, is another one of those situations where Jesus has a child stand in front of a group of people. He's illustrating a point in in Mark's account of the same event. He says that Jesus actually took the child in his arms. But I want you to zero in on verse 5 of Matthew 18. See see if this rings a bell. Because remember, it was actually Matthew 25 where Jesus says, whatever you have done for one of the least of these, you really, truly did that for me. And all of heaven recognizes this is the truth. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, shake us with the truth today. Amen? The world we're in right now, Lord, shake us with reality. Shake us with the truth. But look at verse 5. Because friends, especially in the original language, most of the words are identical to what Jesus said in Matthew 25. He's holding a child in his arms, and he says this, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name, literally, actually, for real, welcomes me. Isn't that amazing? How many have heard of D.L. Moody? Yeah, I thought so. In this church, yeah. Yeah, he's one of my heroes for sure, one of many. But he he was just a wonderful man of God. He was a wonderful brother in the Lord who lived in the 1800s. Okay, he died in 1899. So he is in heaven, and we will meet him there. And I love that. This is, this is the truth, for real. Lord, shake me with the truth. We're going to spend time with D.L. Moody, for real. I love it. But I want you to consider this. This one man in the 1800s, he personally led thousands and thousands and thousands of people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. One man. <laughs> Let that percolate for a, for a moment, would you? Most of us would agree, yeah, that's a fairly fruitful life right there. That's John 15 fruitful, friends. The the vine and the branches. Remember Jesus said, if you remain in me, the word word is actually abide or or, or tabernacle even. So if you build your house, your home, you live in me and I in you, he says, you will bear much fruit. And this is to my Father's glory, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I can't think of a better example of the fulfillment of that passage of Scripture than the life of D.L. Moody, <laughs> leading thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And by the way, we will also meet in heaven, for real, those thousands and thousands and thousands who were led to faith in Jesus through the ministry of D.L. Moody. Isn't that amazing? And yet, as an old man looking back on his life, before Jesus took him home, D.L. Moody made this statement. He said, if I could relive my life I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Let me try this side over here. If I could relive my life, so says a man who's led thousands and thousands and thousands to faith in Jesus. But he says, if I could do it again, I would devote my entire ministry, 100%, to reaching children for God. See, See, he had seen, I don't want to put words in his mouth as to why he would say that, but one thing is a fact. He had seen over and over again the incredible impact that it has on families and communities, ultimately on nations. That is not an exaggeration. When children come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen, amen, amen. Really wise man of God years ago. This might be old to you, but it was new to me. He spoke to me and he said, Jay, when a child is born again, God does not give that child a junior Holy Spirit. 
I love that. A lot of implications to that statement, but the main issue is, friends, when a child is born again, they really are. They really are. <laughs> All that to say, it is, it is a tremendous honor and joy for me to be with you today, especially on Thanksgiving, to represent the Ministry of Compassion Canada. Actually, let me uh, rewind. I hope that primarily I'm here to represent the Lord and his heart, but I also get to put in a word or two for some of my friends who work for, for Compassion. I'm not an employee of Compassion, by the way, so I can say whatever I want. Um, in my opinion, they are doing what D.L. Moody said he wished he would have done, yeah? I'm talking about in the field, wherever they minister, all around the planet, these people are pouring them, their lives out 100% for these children. But friends, when you see what God is doing through this ministry, it is absolutely stunning. It is breathtaking. And so in our remaining time this morning, I, I, I hope you can listen fast, <laughs> but for the sake of time, you just keep in mind, I have a lot of stories. I don't have time to tell you a lot of stories, but I'll, but I'll just say that there are two distinctives that I've whittled it down to. Of all the things that I could tell you about Compassion's ministry, there are two areas of their calling that I really feel I'm to highlight today, okay? And the first is by far the most important thing that I could tell you about Compassion's ministry, and that, that is their absolute commitment to evangelism and discipleship, all right? Yes, Compassion does minister to the physical needs of children in desperate poverty, Absolutely, and especially since the beginning of the pandemic and right up till now, they do. But their number one calling continues to be evangelism and discipleship. Just to put this in perspective for you, I sure hope you saw pictures of children waiting to be sponsored on the tables out here in your foyer when you came in this morning. Purely based on the numbers, okay? So purely based on statistics of what's been happening through this ministry right up until now. At this very moment, I can tell you with absolute confidence that the vast, vast majority of those kids whose pictures are in your foyer right now, once they are sponsored, they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Yeah. Yes, this is missions. This is missions, man. Think of the implications of this. They, they will. The vast majority of them, they will. They're going to come to know the Lord. They're going to be discipled through the local church. They're going to find that Jesus is their very, very best friend. And again, Lord, shake me with the truth. Friends, if we don't meet those kids ahead of time, the kids whose pictures are out there right now, we will actually meet those people in heaven. Isn't God amazing? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That was it. That was a big thing I wanted to share so you can go see ya. The second distinctive that I, I, I felt I should land on. Um, I, I, was a, I was a senior pastor for nine years, so I get pretty jazzed about this. If you don't, that's okay, and I mean it. We're still friends. But it's Compassion's commitment to the local church. You see, wherever they minister around the world, Compassion only works in and out of and through the local church. That's, again, that's part of their calling on this ministry. From, that's part of the Lord's calling on, on them. And the way I usually describe this to people, is if you can imagine with me a struggling pastor in a third world nation, okay, or a developing nation, and he has hopes and dreams that the Lord has put on his life to see so many people come to know Jesus, same as you do here, right? Same as you do here, except in his case, maybe he can barely provide for his own family. I'm, sh I'm shrinking a long story, but that, pas that pastor partners with Compassion 
within a few short years, his church is now three times the size that it was. Have you ever heard of anything like this? I still have trouble getting my head around this, so I've, I've asked at some of the highest levels of leadership at Compassion, is this really true? Like, I want to make sure I'm being accurate, and they keep saying, Jay, that's actually average. In some cases, in some cases it's much more than that. Within three to four years, that pastor's church is now three times the size that it was before he partnered with Compassion. But friends, I didn't even tell you what is by far the most important part of that And that's that we're talking about conversion growth. You with me? This has nothing to do with people moving in from another town or people coming from another church, as great as that may be. No, this is people getting saved. People being born again from above by the Spirit of God, like Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. See, the vast majority of these children, they're coming to know the Lord. And then so often after that, I, I don't want to give a wrong impression, not always, But so often, after that, the rest of the family follows. (laughs) Isn't God amazing? I have to tell you about something that happened to Sandy and myself. My wife, Sandy, um, she's involved in children's ministry at our home church today. Otherwise, she would be here. She's much nicer than I am. Another time, you'll get to meet her. But we've been able to travel a number of times um, to visit some of our sponsored children. We've been sent to be able to go and do that. And on the last time that we went, we went to the Dominican Republic. And I understand you have a wonderful connection there with, with Pastor Alberto. I don't know if I said that correctly, but bless you so much. It's so amazing. But we had been sponsoring a little guy named Jordani for several years, but we got to spend hours and hours with him at the church where everything was going on. And it was wonderful. It was so amazing. But then we, we walked with Jordani and a translator and a photographer and a videographer. I'm not sure if there was anyone else. But we were invited by Jordani's family to come right into his home. This is a one-room home. Sleeping area separated by a curtain. But, you know, we met his mommy and we met his sisters. And some of you will understand when I say this, we were especially excited to meet his dad. And the reason being... This is one of the worst areas where we were. It was one of the worst areas in Dominican, and some of you are only too familiar with this. In some of the Latin American countries, particularly where there's a lot of gang activity, okay? I won't unpack that, but they have what they call their macho culture. In, in, in North America, we tend to think of that word. It's either funny or some might even think it's cool. Where it originates, it's, it's neither. It's extremely sad, and particularly when you associate it with... with all the, the gang uh, violence and things that are going on there. And it, what's super common is for when children come along is the tough guy, macho dad, he just leaves because that's what a macho man does. It's heartbreaking. And so you have huge numbers of single moms. So when we went to Jordani's house and here's dad, or just that alone, we were saying, oh Lord, thank you so much. Daddy's still in the picture. I have to fast forward and tell you this. Sandy and I were given opportunity by the Lord to pray with Jordani's mommy and daddy for them to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Isn't God amazing? Yes, yeah, that's a, that's a yay God for sure. That's, that's a yay God. And that's something that's, something that's going to be with us for the rest of our lives. Um, I'll just just an extremely brief update. Compassion set up a Zoom call for us. We've been writing letters back and forth. 
but that was several years ago. Compassion set up a Zoom call this past year, and I just need to tell you that, that not just Jordani and his sisters, but mommy and daddy are passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Their main, their main uh, prayer request, in fact, was for people that they've been sharing Jesus with. They want them to come to know the Lord too. Isn't God amazing? But I, I, have, to, I have to clarify something. I think this is important. This was not like leading someone to the Lord. Okay? Just to be clear, this was not Jay leading someone to Jesus. In, in fact, from my heart, I wanted to get this across to them, and I did through the translator, was, look, we love you guys. You know, no matter what, it's okay. We didn't want, I didn't want them to feel any kind of pressure in any kind of way. They, they just invited us into their home. And their response was, no, we want Jesus now. <laughs> and so I knelt down on their floor, and we held hands, and I did a repeat-after-me prayer. Now, now, I led them through some scriptures just to be sure they understood, and boy, did they ever, but about believing and confession, repentance and receiving. But as I've often said since, this was like walking under a tree, and a piece of fruit appeared in my hand. It just fell. Um, it was after we got home, the Lord, I think, brought to mind Lydia, and some of you will remember Lydia. It's in Acts 16, we read about this, this wonderful woman. And I love how the one translation renders it. It says, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive Paul's message so that she could believe. Isn't that cool? <laughs> this, was, this was just like that. The Lord had opened the hearts of these dear, dear people long before Jay and Sandy showed up. See, it was through their son, Jordani, who had already come to faith in Jesus and had already been changed dramatically, this little guy, that the Lord opened their hearts. Back to the hypothetical pastor whose church is now three times the size that it was. It's exploding with new believers. That story repeats itself over and over and over, by the way. And I just need to tell you, typically, he is held in really high esteem in his community now because his church has become the go-to place for anybody in need. And why is that? Well, it's because the word gets around and everybody knows. You go over there, those people, they love you over there. For real. If you have a need, they take care of it as best they can. But it's also become, the church has also become the go-to place for all of these adults who are coming to the pastor or coming to somebody in the church and saying, you know what, I don't know what's happened to my child who's in your program, but they've changed. And I don't know what it is that you have, but I know I desperately need it too. What must I do to be saved? Cool? Yeah, it is cool. It is so good. Well, they've sent along a video. We're going to show it this time if we can. Uh, it's about two and a half hours long. Hope you're comfy. It's about, th it's about three and a half minutes, after which we will continue. When I was eight years old, my father was taken away from us, and by that I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. News began to come to our doorstep. From our landlord, we got word that we couldn't stay in the house that we stayed anymore because we couldn't afford it. My mother had no job. My father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. I remember when my mom said to us, there was no money for food. That ushered us into a place where we were now going to begin to go to the street to fend for food. 
as I lived like this on a daily basis, poverty began to speak to me as a child. I felt I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend, and her friend shared with her about Compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager. She had decided to sponsor me. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. That ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me. To hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I remember my day, June the 3rd, 1996. I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. Looking back into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I am doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in, it's deep. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. My name is Richmond Wandera and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. So good. So good. I have to give you a, a brief update on Richmond. Richmond is pastoring the church through which he was sponsored when he was this high, when his dad was taken away. He's also leading a pastor's network in sub-Saharan African countries. Richmond is pouring into other pastors. Isn't that amazing? In all these different countries. Who could do this but the Lord? Yes. Amen. 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 Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed 100 kids, feed one. That's a good word right there. She's, it's really clever. I don't know if you picked up on it. She's addressing human nature. She's addressing me, for sure. And I don't, you don't need to raise your hand, but I, I'm probably not the only one who sometimes you feel like you, you can easily be overwhelmed with the size of a need, right? I mean, I won't go in detail, but friends, before, before the pandemic, there were these statistics that were flying around which were true about how many thousand children perished yesterday from malnutrition and preventable diseases. Not last year, no, in the last 24 hours. And you hear these things and you just say, Lord, I'm just one person. What can I possibly do that has any significant impact? Friends, I don't even look at the statistics anymore, and I'll tell you why. It's not that they're wrong. It's that I don't want to be frozen in place. See, because equally as true as all of the very sobering statistics, 
is that in this sanctuary right now, at this very moment, I know that many of you are being instrumental in seeing lives completely transformed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I didn't know anything else about you, I know that's true because you're already sponsoring kids. <laughs> so I believe that from the Lord's point of view, a big part of the reason that I'm here today is just to say thank you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. And to remind you that you're having an enormous impact. It's not just a picture on the fridge. Lives are truly being transformed, probably for eternity, if it's through this ministry of compassion. So well done. Bless you, bless you, bless you. I worked it out. I'm not great at math, but I did work it out. It's $47 a month now to sponsor a child. I just need to mention this. That's an increase of $6 that's happened in this last year. And Compassion has been putting this off and putting this off and putting this off. This is the first increase in the cost of a sponsorship in 12 years. You with me? Okay, so how many know some things are actually more expensive than they were 12 years ago? But that 47 a month, even that, it works out to $1.56 per day. It's actually considerably less than that if you pay income tax. Anybody here pay income tax? I'll get to that in a moment. But for our purposes... Buck 56, here's a child who has very little hope for any kind of future, like Richmond was, like Jordani was. But friends, that same child is sponsored. Now they're receiving the care that they need. The, the love of the Lord is going in. The word of God is going in and is not returning void. One of, one of my favorite verses of all time, and I know this is out of context, but I really do believe we can apply it to our, to our own lives, is Jeremiah 29:11. Anyone know that one? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. We have a good Father. This is foundational to the gospel. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And Sandy and I are seeing that verse fulfilled in the lives of our sponsored children. Buck 56 a day. Isn't that amazing? What's a medium double-double from Tim Hortons? Most parts of the country, it's about $1.80 right now. Just think about that. $1.56 for today to sponsor this child, see their life completely turned around in Jesus' name. A buck eighty for my coffee. Actually, Starbucks is infinitely more, um, but, but, but worth it. It's just my opinion. But here's a thought. Here's a thought. If you regularly buy your coffee from Starbucks, you should consider sponsoring a village. Okay. Okay, I have, to, I have to hurry on with this. So several years ago, Sandy and I went to get our taxes done, and we had been sponsoring children for years and years and years. I don't even know how long, a long time. At the time, we were sponsoring four children, and you don't normally tell people that. There's a reason I'm telling you. I don't have time to unpack it. But I was just grateful that we could. Yeah? Saying, Lord, thank you. We can do this. This is great. This is wonderful. And as it turned out, see, I, I'd never even thought to ask this before. It never even occurred to me. So all of these years that we'd been sponsoring children, I never knew. And I'm fast-forwarding this to today's costs, all right? But as it turned out, I hadn't been spending $1.56 per day for each of these kids that we were sponsoring. It was more like 80 cents. And I never knew. 80 cents. See, in my case, I pay 51% of the sponsorship. I get 49% back as a tax refund. Isn't that something? It was new to me. To say it another way, for what I thought I had been spending for each of these children that we were sponsoring, I could have been sponsoring too for all those years. 
There's a word from the Lord for somebody right there. It was for me. I just blurted it out right in the accountant's office. I just said, oh my goodness, we got to sponsor some more kids. And so we did. We got several more right out of the gate. And one of those, several more, happened to be a beautiful little boy from the Dominican Republic named Jordani. Isn't God amazing? Now, not just Jordani and his sisters, but mommy and daddy have come to know Jesus. Sandy and I have four kids of our, our own. They're older. Three of them are married already. And I'm going to be a grandpa. Woohoo! Really excited. Well, 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 thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I don't know when, but I just figure it's bound to happen eventually. making sure you're still awake at the back over there. I've been telling that joke probably way too long. Sandy and I have seven grandchildren, okay, of our own. Remember I said I'm a wealthy man? Oh my. The Lord has been so good to us, and I'm so grateful. But our kids, these are, I still think of them as young adults. Some of them are a little bit older than most would think of as young adults. They've started their own families, and last time I counted, last time I checked with them, they were up to seven more children that they're sponsoring. Isn't that neat? I think it's wonderful. But if you were to ask my kids, why do you do that? Why do you sponsor children? They'd answer the same way I would. They'd say, why would I not? And this is such a little thing, and yet it so represents the heart of my Lord and Savior. See, for us, this has become a worship issue. A discipleship issue, even. Jesus said, whatever you have done for one of the least of these, for real, you really truly did that for me. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name, says Jesus, you literally actually did that for me. It was pointed out to me, and I'm almost done. There are more than 2,000 references in the Old and New Testament to God's heart for the poor and justice issues. Did you know that? It's true. More than two thousand references. And the reason that I mention that is that normally I travel a lot. And so I'm on airplanes a lot. I go back and forth across Canada. I'm so grateful. I get to meet so many wonderful people at concerts and events and tours and a lot of church services. And I share about Compassion's ministry pretty much as, as, as often as I can get away with it. I really do. But I've had so many people come up to me after an event and they'll say, you know, Jay, I need to, I need to pray about this. I need to pray about sponsoring a child. I want you to know that my response to that is, well, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's great. Because almost anything I can think of, generally speaking, it's a really good idea to take it to the Lord. Yeah? Unless I'm being goofy. I believe that's the theological term. Some of you know where I'm going with this already. And can I preface this by just saying, there are probably several really good reasons to pray about this, okay? Just to be clear, for Sandy and me, it's usually, Lord, how many this year? How many more children do you want us to be sponsoring this year? But if by that, you know, I need to pray about sponsoring a child. If by that I'm saying, I need to ask God if it's his will for me to take a tiny part of my resources to help minister to the poor and tell them about Jesus. What do I think he's going to say? <laughs> I mean, that's just goofy. And by the way, there's lots of goofy comes from this guy, okay? I am not immune to goofy, so don't be condemned if this applies to you. But, but especially when he's already given his opinion more than 2,000 times, yeah? And I would add to that, and this is just me, but I can't remember ever in my entire life crying out to God and saying, oh God, Father, is it your will for me to buy this cup of coffee as I go through the drive through today? I'm not trying to be mean, friends. I'm just trying to give perspective. 
really, this church, I want to bless you, bless you, bless you. You can tell I like coffee. For me, it gives really good perspective. Even from Tim Hortons, seriously, even from Tim Hortons, in my case, that cup of coffee costs considerably more than it would cost for me to sponsor two children for today. Isn't that wild? Right? Yet it, it would never enter my mind or my heart that I need to pray about the coffee. So listen, if you don't sponsor kids yet, that's okay. And I mean that. God bless you. God bless you. But you can take care of that today. So please don't run off after the service. Go to the tables and choose your child, and they'll sign you up. They've made it so easy. You don't need to have any money with you today. There is a guitar guy that has some CDs out there, if anyone remembers what those are. It's an ancient technology. But what those are for is if you can sponsor a child right now, would you just take a CD and just, that's just to say thank you. But it's also, they, they want to encourage us not to put it off. I think you can understand that. If you sponsor 10 kids, take 10 CDs. And you would not be the first to do that. Praise God. If you already sponsor children, please, please hear this, okay? If you already sponsor children, it would be very difficult to overstate the impact that you're having right now. Bless you, bless you, bless you. But here's the challenge. Would you consider another one? Or more if you can, you know, but at least take home a kid you didn't come with today. Surprise your friends. You have been wonderful. God bless you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share and hope to see you at the tables after the service.